In this week's episode, we set off to investigate a multinational corporation's possible misdoings. Let's grab our camcorder and head inside. Welcome in, everyone, to episode number 10 of the Banging Horse Podcast. Today, we're talking about Outlast. Before we get into it, I hope everyone's having a good week. I think week 10 here is finally going to be the week where I break the streak of getting every episode out by Tuesday. It's currently Tuesday as I'm recording this, but it's Tuesday evening. Um, I still have to finish recording and edit. I don't think I'm going to make it. I think it's going to get out to everybody on Wednesday. I've been distracted all week, uh, procrastinating as per usual. Really just continuing to think about playing the new Harry Potter game. I haven't, and not because of all the social issues that people have uh, for not wanting to play the game. My issue with Harry Potter is I was, whatever age Harry was in the first one, was it 12, 13, when he, he gets notification, he's a wizard, you're a wizard, Harry, you're going to go to Hogwarts. Well, see, I, I was the same exact age, so I thought that was going to happen to me in real life. And really what ended up happening was I read the book, and I thought it would be really cool to be a wizard, but I didn't want to be a regular wizard. I wanted to be a gangster wizard. So I started calling myself a wizard, and I'd go to school and I'd tell people I was a wizard, and people started calling me a gay wizard. And I'd tell them, I'm not a gay wizard. I'm a gangster wizard. And this nickname stuck with me all through high school. Before we get too far off track here and I start going down the road of issue mental issues that I have, let's let's jump into the game. Let's talk about the game. And we can't talk about Outlast without first speaking about Red Barrels, the developer of Outlast. Now, shout out to the Canadians. I don't know what it is. When it comes to horror games, I think we... We lag behind Canada here. I don't know why Canada is kicking our ass so hard. We've got uh, Red Barrels here with Outlast. Uh, is it Sad Square Studio? I believe that did Visage. Um, In Night Games has The Forest. I believe I read somewhere, though, that Sad Square Studio has disbanded. I don't think uh, we're going to get anything else from Visage. So, Anyway, back to the point, Red Barrels, the um, Montreal, Quebec-based game developer, is a, technically they are an indie game developer, uh, an indie studio. However, the people that started it are AAA developers. Now, I guess really you'd call them an indie just based off budget, off talent, uh, 100% AAA top tier. But it's like the Kansas City Chiefs went to play a high school team is kind of what this is like. It's a bunch of Ubisoft guys that went and started their own studio, and their first game out of the gate is Outlast. And Red Barrels really did the impossible. They created one of the greatest horror games to ever exist. 
just first game, here you go. Here's something uh, something new to the horror genre, something that really shook up the horror genre in 2013 when Outlast was released. It is a first-person survival-slash-psychological horror game. And I really enjoy just the prologue. It kind of sets the tone for what we're going to encounter. Red Barrels lets us know. This is a little snippet of the first thing that we'll see getting into the game. Stay alive as long as you can. Record everything. You are not a fighter. To navigate the horrors of Mount Massive and expose the truth, your only choices are to run, hide, or die. So we've talked about Red Barrels. Uh, They started 2013. First, I guess they started in 2011 they were founded. Outlast comes out 2013. Uh, Canada, oh Canada. They do an amazing job up there with horror games. I still don't understand how they're able to do this. But basically, the point of Outlast, all right, let's get into the plot here. We're going to be playing as Miles Upshur. Now, Miles is a uh, investigative journalist, and we're investigating a... We're investigating Lockheed Martin, is basically who it is, but they're called the Murkoff Corporation. And Murkoff is doing some shady shit, we believe. We've received an email from a a whistleblower, and we're headed into the asylum, and we're going to go see if we can get answers to to find out what the Murkoff Corporation has really been up to. We pull up in our little red Jeep. uh, We get out at the security gate. Uh, Immediately, we're going to be introduced to one of the core game mechanics, and that is our camcorder. We're an investigative journalist. We are going to take notes throughout, but we're also going to utilize this camcorder. Now, the camcorder has night vision on it. That's going to allow us to, just like it sounds, it's going to allow us to see in the dark. Outlast is an extremely dark game. They really make it to where when they want you to see something, you're going to be able to see it, and you're also going to know when you're going to need to utilize your night vision on your camcorder. And the game itself, gameplay-wise, is pretty simple. I I really like this about the game, and I've complained about it in the past. Red Barrels really sets you up with, this is the way you need to go. Now, there is plenty of exploring you can do outside of the ob- objective that you're, you're tasked with at that time. As far as like resource management goes... You've got batteries for your camcorder. That's it. That That's the only thing that you're really going to have to manage. And for the most part, I didn't have to run uh, through the dark. Uh, I've seen people say you have to just go blindly, and I can't imagine having to do it. It's pretty simple to, to utilize your battery and make sure you always have enough to use your night vision on your camcorder to navigate the dark parts of the game. Something I've always complained about in horror games is not being able to fight. I don't like being told I have to be stealthy and this is the way you're going to play the game and you have no ability to uh, fight an enemy or defend yourself, protect yourself while playing. But Outlast, even though usually in horror games I hate that, Outlast, the way they, the way Red Barrels created this game, it just adds to the horror aspect of it, just this terrifying feeling that you get while playing, just you truly feel helpless. And luckily, Miles is uh, a fucking track star, and we're going to rely on that athletic ability to stay ahead of everyone else that's after us inside of uh, Mount Massive Asylum. We're going to head 
from the security booth, we're going to go straight into Mount Massive Asylum. We notice right away there's some uh, light armor vehicles out front, and the, the door's locked. We're going to utilize a scaffold that's built on the side of the building to get inside through a window. Red Barrels really sets the tone in Outlast with the music, so you're always going to know when something terrifying is going to happen based off the, the ambient music that's playing around you, and uh, Miles is breathing. It's When Miles is out of breath, you know, he's that, that heavy breathing, the elevator heart rate, I felt like the whole time when I was playing, it was mimicking Miles. So when Miles would start fucking breathing heavy, I was breathing heavy. Miles was scared. I'm fucking scared. We're inside the asylum now. It's clearly, something's fucked up here. Something's wrong. We, uh, we'll meet a soldier very quickly. Uh, security forces in armored skinhead, which I, I'm thinking it's just for the ease of you know graphically designing. I'm not a video game designer, coder, any of that shit. I don't know how it all works, but it seems like there's a lot of Nazis in Outlast. And to, to be fair, that's, that's sort of one of the, the key points into the game that we're going to get into, but there's so many bald people. Uh, are they just naturally bald? Is that just, because it's not even like uh, in regulations, you know, like high and tight or something like that. They're all just fucking skinheads. So we see this soldier that's speared, um, he's impaled, and he's going to tell us, get the fuck out of here, uh, shit's fucked up, run while you can. And we should take his advice right here. I would, if it was me personally. I'm getting the fuck out, I'm going right back down the scaffold, getting in my Jeep, uh, making a podcast about it, and going the fuck home. Miles isn't going to do that, though. He's here for the story, he's going to get the story. Miles is going to continue on, which means we're going to continue on. And very quickly... Outlast is going to introduce us to one of the most memorable characters, not even in the Outlast universe, just in, to me, just horror gaming, the uh, the genre, and that's going to be Chris Strong Fat Walker. I love Chris Walker. It He is fucking terrifying, but as you learn more about him, you'll learn that he's from Texas, and I've said it before, but I'm from Texas, and Texans love Texas shit. So I immediately felt this uh, this connection with Chris Walker. Sure, he's uh, a giant, just deranged psychopath. I don't even know the best way to describe him. He is a fucking character for sure. But my toxic trait is I believe I could take Chris Walker, one-on-one. -on -one. We have a little bit different stats. I believe he's 6'9". I'm six foot. He's probably about 400 pounds. I'm 220. Uh, I'm just saying, I think I might be able to take Chris Walker. Miles, however, is not able to take Chris Walker, and Chris Walker pretty easily just throws us over a fucking balcony. Uh, Chris Walker in this first encounter really just whips our ass. It is the first character we are introduced to here. Outlast has so many memorable characters, and it's insane to me because I feel like in a lot of video games they throw a bunch of different characters at you, and they're they're kind of they're not very memorable. Outlast, however, the the characters for such a a short game to have this many characters we're going to encounter, and Chris Walker is basically the 
Outlast equivalent of Nemesis or Mr. X from the Resident Evil universe. Oh, I think that Chris Walker could take Mr. X and Nemesis, though. That's just my opinion. Strong Fat fucks us up. We wake up to the next memorable character in um, Outlast, and that's going to be Father Martin. Father Martin's in a mental institution. Clearly, he's probably not an actual priest. He is sort of a helper of ours that's going to point us to our next objective and keep us progressing in the story itself. He claims that we are an apostle sent by God himself to bear witness to everything there and help spread his gospel. So we're there to document Father Martin's ascension, and we're going to get out and spread the gospel. Father Martin's not going to let us leave right away. That would be too simple. Father Martin's going to subdue us, and now we're going to wake up in a prison cell. This prison cell that we're in is Father Martin's cell. We go out, and we're, we're further down, deeper into Mount Massive Asylum's layers, I guess, different levels. We're in the prison ward now, and these prisoners are fucking crazy. There's a guy bashing his head in the wall. There's a bunch of crazy ones just saying scary shit. There's some great jump scares here. When you look into or try to open some of the doors, they'll they'll pop up. Uh, Alice does a really good job of throwing in jump scares. The whole game itself is terrifying, but the, the jump scares in it are well-placed, and you, you're going to expect them. Like, you're going to see a guy sitting in a wheelchair. You're like, oh, this fucker's going to jump out at me. You're going to pass me. He's not going to do it. There's actually, I'm going to go back and check my game film. I record uh, the game as I play it. And I swear that I've seen multiple playthroughs. And I know when I've played the game before, this fucker's jumped out. And I'm going to go back and check the film. I'm 99% sure when I walked by this guy multiple times in the wheelchair, he never fucking jumped out. Maybe I'm thinking of a different part in a different wheelchair, but the one that I remember being a really good jump scare, it never fucking occurred. And here we're also going to be introduced to the twins, uh, two more memorable characters, and just full-on uncircumcised cock. We get it. We're not expecting it. I guess it kind of makes sense. We're in a, a crazy place. There's a bunch of men, and there's two naked dudes. And you look down, they got big old fat, uncircumcised cocks. Good for the twins. And good on Red Barrels for throwing in this just unsolicited dick for us to be able to view for our enjoyment. And to go off on a tangent here, like I really like doing something to ramble on about, can we finally come to a point where we say it's not cool to go to prison. I feel like on TikTok, I'm somehow, and I hit not interested on the videos over and over again, I keep getting these prison stories. I don't give a shit. I always think of uh, Uncle Polly, Polly Galtieri, Polly Walnuts, quote, In my book, you get points for staying out of the can. I agree 100% with Polly on this one. I'm tired of hearing about all the rules of prison. If you can follow all these fucking rules that make you a good inmate, how do you follow all the rules that just make you a good citizen? And then you never have to go to prison. I mean, it seems like a crazy idea to me, something that might just work. I'm going to start my own new trend that just talks about 
how I was in in-school suspension or detention or sack or whatever the fuck you called it at your school or wherever you're from. Like, hey, I was uh, texting on my phone and he got taken away and I cursed out a teacher and I got sent to ISS and the ISS teacher was named Miss Swallows. You see, the system was designed to keep us down. How am I, already in trouble, going to get sent to where the kids go that get in trouble and my teacher is named Miss Swallows? It's just low-hanging fruit and it was too fucking easy and they set me up. And of course I had to make a comment about her name and now I'm in there even longer. Continuing on talking about Outlast now, we met the twins. They say they're not going to kill us because the the priest, um, Father Martin, has said not to. So they're going to make a game out of it. So the twins are after us now. We're going to navigate this, and we're going to run in to fucking Chris Walker again. Another chase scene. It's uh, just as thrilling as all the other ones we're going to have with Chris Walker in multiple points throughout the game. While being pursued, we are going to come to what could possibly be the end here. However, we're saved by someone who seems friendly sending down a dumbwaiter. We're going to get in it. We're going to head up. Now, this person turns out to not be very friendly. They turn out to be Richard Traeger, which is another memorable fucking character from the Outlast universe. Traeger's backstory is he's a doctor and he was performing some of these experiments on the patients of the uh, Mount Massive Asylum until he himself was committed into the Mount Massive Asylum by the Murkoff Corporation. When we see Richard Traeger, he is going to beat the shit out of Miles. Poor Miles gets his ass beat again. He's going to strap us into a wheelchair, take us on a little journey. He's going to say a bunch of crazy shit. Now, Richard Traeger looks like Dr. Death from The Devil's Rejects. He's got these giant shears. He's wearing a COVID mask. He's got this uh, little apron on. He's got no shirt, uh, scraggly hair, but these... I'm not sure what the weapon is called, but it's like a giant thing of scissors, and he's going to cut off our fingers. And this scene is pretty graphic, but like obviously we're playing a video game, but there's something that really made my toes curl just watching it. It seemed so realistic, and you'll hear Miles scream out in pain. Miles is going to be able to shake himself free of this wheelchair. He's missing a couple fingers now. And one of the problems I have, one of the only problems I have with Outlast the game is that he never covers up his hand. Like, well, we've, we've all played a lot of games. Our hands get fucked up. You wrap them up. You do some Resident Evil. They pour the shit on there and, like, the hand grows back or whatever. He leaves these open wounds just to play throughout the game and every time I see Miles's fucking hands while I'm playing like it just it hurts my teeth like my feelings my feelings in my teeth uh, just something about it like cover up your goddamn hands Miles Traeger's not done with this yet we're gonna have to uh, hide from him uh, multiple times eventually we'll kill him in the elevator and it's not something that the players controlled it's taken out of our hands and he gets crushed in between the floors We'll run into Father Martin again. We'll progress through the storyline. Eventually, it ends up with Father Martin saying he has fixed the elevator. We can now leave Mount Massive Asylum. And we witness Father Martin 
uh, he's crucified on the cross, lit on fire. He's going to be reborn, whatever crazy bullshit he believes. So now we get into the elevator. That's it. The game's over. Not quite yet. We're not out of Mount Massive just yet. We're sent further down. The elevator continues to go down. Now we're in the underground laboratory, and we're going to have to investigate the wall rider. Now, this is a reoccurring theme in the game that we'll see it multiple times. I waited to talk to it till now, so I can just not uh, ramble on for 20 minutes and have to come back to it. So this wall rider who throughout the game we see uh, in security footage and in a couple other places, the courtyard, we'll see him kill people. We don't know what it is. It looks like a ghostly figure, something that is not of this world. In reality, it's actual um, nanites. It's a um, collective group of nanotechnology that's controlled by a patient that's been exposed to the morphogenic engine. That's what Project Wall Rider is, and that's why the Murkoff Corporation, who's actually just Lockheed Martin, that they bought this asylum. So they've got all these crazy people, and Project Wall Rider utilizes what's called the morphogenic engine. The morphogenic engine is the process that a psychiatric patient is going to be exposed to in order to control the nanites, to control the wall rider. So basically, in order to do this, you have to have, uh, you have to be past the brink of sanity. You, you have to have gone insane. You have to have experienced traumatic events, uh, horrific traumatic events, and then they'll put you in this fucking glass globe and they'll keep you alive and you're going to basically use your, your sentience to control the wall rider. The Murkoff Corporation established this to create a super soldier that they could use to their advantage. Now, the problem is, in order to create this, it has to, in order to create this, this person to control the, uh, the wall rider... They have to be insane. So how do you how do you control an insane person? It's not going to work. And the whole thing is overseen by Dr. Rudolf Wernicke. And I like to say Wernicke, but Dr. Wernicke is a Nazi. And it really just goes into red barrels, took real-life events. Basically, Nazi mysticism, which was a real thing. The Nazis were fucking terrible people, but they were also psychotic. They were trying to push uh, the human mind to different feats. And, you know, if it's devil-worshipping, Hellboy kind of goes into it a little bit. But basically, in Outlast, Dr. Wernicke is a Nazi doctor that came to America off Operation Paperclip. I think they call it Project Paperclip in the game. And I think it was actually Operation Paperclip. Maybe it was Project Paperclip. But they took real-life events. That was a real thing that happened. They got Nazi doctors to come over. And Dr. Wernicke was one of those. And the Murkoff Corporation hired Dr. Wernicke to conduct these experiments because he had seen success in the Wall Rider Project during World War II. Now he was gonna. Now Murkoff was gonna weaponize this this uh, being that could control the the nano swarm. 
Another level of real-life events that Red Barrels puts in Outlast is MKUltra, which we've seen a few times in different video games, but this was a, a real project conducted by the CIA, and basically what, what uh, Outlast does is the Murkoff Corporation, they have Mount Massive Asylum. You've got the perfect place to have all these violent, crazy individuals. Now, in order to control the wall rider they have to go through these traumatic events well how do we put people through these traumatic events we're gonna inject and have them ingest uh, different chemicals right different uh, hallucinogenics different mind-altering substances that are going to push them uh, further into you know the the deepest parts of their mind they're, they're just going to be fucked up individuals. So they're taking all these drugs, they're seeing all this crazy shit, and that's going to, so they have the perfect sample group to pull from, from these people. And it's just, uh, it just funnels down the line, the whole thing of the Murkoff Corporation having the Dr. Wernicke come in, say, here you go, continue your project. You have our multinational corporation's money behind it. But the problem was Billy Hope, Old William Hope is able to manifest. He goes through uh, the morphogenic engine. He becomes the host for the nanites. The, the problem is once he's able to manifest this, um, this wall rider, uh, the, the wall rider's gotten out and he's just murdering everyone in the whole facility. And the crazy thing about the, the wall rider too, like to me, it just I thought it was like a stupid name that Red Barrels had come up with for Outlast for this character, like the, the wall rider. But it's actually a, a real fictional character in German folklore. Some of the things you'll pick up in notes throughout the game that you'll learn about. And it was a really cool aspect, but this is sort of the, the human embodiment of that in the, the, the Nano Swarm. We'll meet Dr. Wernicke. He's supposed to be dead. Dr. Wernicke tasks us with uh, killing Billy Hope. That, that's really going to be the, the final objective here in the game. So we'll go through all the steps to do that. We get attacked by the wall rider because we're, we're attacking the host. The wall rider doesn't want to die. We get to the, the end here. The doors open up. It's Dr. Warnicky. We get shot by the security forces, Murkoff security forces. It looks like that's the end, end of us. We're dead. But as we're dying, we learn that we become the host for the wall rider. And this is where it kind of all comes together with the game, right? We were learning about this morphogenic engine that has to take patients that have been through these traumatic events. Well, what's been more traumatic than Miles's journey as, you know, just starting as an investigative journalist to getting to the end here with, you know, having to, to, to kill uh, Billy Hope in his little uh, snow globe? So everything we've witnessed along the way here has been leading us on this path. And I think this is what Father Martin was talking about when we were supposed to witness, you know, this gospel. Because they're worshiping the wall rider uh, throughout different parts of the game. And so I believe that's what it is. That that's, that's how we are the apostle. That's how we are the witness. We end up experiencing all these things and being terrified and fearful for our life the whole time and meeting these just fucked up individuals and it just that was our process that's that's what happened there that's the game that that's outlast from starting out in the beginning to the ending here i guess some things i forgot to talk about were the different documents that you'll pick up during the game that's going to tell you the story uh, a couple other things of note 
you'll you're recording everything on your camcorder, but there's certain times that the game is going to tell you to record. And if you record during these times, you're going to write personal notes. And this is how you really get to understand uh, Miles's thoughts throughout the game, throughout you know this experience that he's experiencing, that we're taking in from the first-person view. He'll write his insights, and it really gives him a voice in the game because he never fucking says anything. He screams a few times, but he doesn't talk about the things that he's seeing. He writes them down, and if you're recording during this time, you'll be able to uh, to witness that as well. There is the Whistleblower DLC, and I'm not going to get into that one because, uh, sadly, I fucked around and didn't leave myself enough time to play it, and I want to go through it uh, fully before I, I talk about it on the podcast. Now... I'm going to once again ask anybody listening that's made it this far, if you've played Outlast, if you played the Whistleblower DLC, if you played Outlast 2, to uh, to let me know, and because I'd love to speak with somebody. This is I've talked about it in other episodes. I would really enjoy having someone on to sort of bounce these ideas off of, even if you're not super well-versed. I'd love to get the, uh, the subject matter expert on Outlast, the the ultimate authority on it, but I'd love to hear from a fan's perspective of the Outlast universe, because again, I'm just playing a different game every week. I don't have the, uh, I don't, I don't have a, a set of games where I'm just like, oh, I know every single thing about this fucking game. This is the game I play, and I speed run and all this shit, and I know all the intricacies of the storyline itself. So, for the next episode I do in Outlast, I'm going to do Whistleblower and the um, Outlast 2 together. So we'll start off with the bridge there and bring us into Outlast 2. But at that time, I would love to have somebody on to, to speak about the Outlast universe. I can be reached from any of the uh, information that's going to be in the show notes, wherever you're watching this. This will, in a couple days, be up on YouTube once I get the uh, gameplay video uploaded. If you want to get in contact with me, we've Lindsay and I have put a thousand different ones in so depending on which episode you come in on you may not find it so the final one that we're doing is one i've already established and that's just tim t-i-m at banginghorrors.com uh that's the email address i can be reached there if you'd like to be on if you want to suggest a game that's what i forgot to uh, talk about last time i think i might start doing another episode a few days after the game episode just to cover everything I missed. So last time I completely forgot to say that uh, Bioshock was the game picked by Mike Sierra. Mike Sierra reached out and said, hey, I'd like you to review Bioshock. So I said, okay, absolutely. And so I've got just a list of horror games I'm going to play, but I'm 100% open to suggestions. So if there's something you want to uh, hear about on the podcast, let me know, and I'll happily play it and ramble on about it for about 30 minutes and probably make you more confused about the game itself uh, before I talked about it. And that's going to do it for this episode. I hope you learned something about Outlast. If you haven't played it, I highly recommend it. I think Outlast, to me, it's a staple of the horror genre. It's terrifying, the whole thing. I think it's about four hours of gameplay without the DLC. If you're a new listener, be sure to like and subscribe and all that bullshit that people tell you to do that you already know. And uh, if you're a returning listener, thank you for coming back once again. We have hit 12 different countries 
on the list that have uh, listened to the Banging Horse podcast. And I check that shit all the time. It just makes me so excited to always see a new country pop up on there. But that's going to do it for this week. It is now 1 a.m., so I did not make the Tuesday cutoff. It's going to be Wednesday now. I've got to get this edited and go to sleep so I can wake up at 5 a.m. So thank you, everyone, for tuning in, and we will see you hopefully next Tuesday with a brand new game.